Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, now the fun begins. Can Ade bounce back? And is there any way we can get Brown? It's all next on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. You can check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my Twitter page at jmch316 so braves with a really nice victory yesterday again they took two out of three from the seattle mariners uh jared schuster was terrific yesterday he uh six innings one hit one earned run just the one solo home run that he gave up seven strikeouts with a walk 85 pitches really good outing for him he obviously needed a good bounce back uh, outing and then uh, anderson McHugh, and uh, iglesias closed it all out but now the fun begins, right? And this is what we've been looking for. Now we get into the next seven days, next seven games, I should say, where the Braves are going to play the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're going to host the Dodgers, who have the best record in the National League, and they're going to host the Philadelphia Phillies. And this is, you know, I don't want to overstate this. You know, it's a critical time or this or that or what have you. But this is a really good fun kind of measuring stick as to where we're at, right? You know, we've had our problems with the Dodgers over the last couple of years during the regular season. We've not been very good against them. We have been good against the Philadelphia Phillies over the last couple of years in the regular season, but this is a good measuring stick because number one, let, let's see where we match up with the Dodgers, right? And, and we're going to have our three main guys that are going to be out there pitching Morton Strider and elder. So not any kind of bullpen games or, you know, anything like that, you know, with, with what we've had to do here of late <coughs> that we had to do that on Saturday. And I guess, what are we? Oh, and three now in bullpen games, none of that. Morton Strider and elder are three horses that we have in our rotation for now, obviously missing freed, missing, right. But again, there are three main horses that we have now the Dodgers are going to pull up their top prospect come Tuesday to pitch uh, in the game. So Stone will pitch in game one. Gonsolin will pitch in game three, but they're going to call up their top prospect from the minors to pitch in game number two. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, you know, if it's anything like the Braves, when the Braves would face somebody brand new for the first time, they always struggled offensively. Seemed like that that was a, a 20-year pattern that we had, but we'll see what the Braves do. But this will be a fun series because it will be a good measuring stick to see where we're at. Now, the Braves do have, by the way, they have the largest lead of any divisional leader right now in Major League Baseball. Um, the next biggest is the Detroit Tigers, who are in second place. Minnesota is a three-and-a-half game, has a three-and-a-half game lead over Minnesota. So the five-game lead that the Braves have over the Mets is the biggest in baseball right now. So 
Number one, we get the Dodgers for three games, right? We get them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as we head into Memorial Day weekend, we take on the full doleful Phillies. So this will be our first chance to get a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, right? Bryce Harper's back now, right? They've, they've got all their pieces and Nola and Riamuto and all these guys. And they spent a crap ton of money, right? That they spent a gazillion dollars in the offseason. Mets and Phillies spent a crap ton of money to try to win this division. And this will be a good measuring stick as to just where we're at with this Philadelphia Phillies team. You know, they've been a, a def, definite disappointment. I mean, the Mets and the Phillies have been a disappointment, but <clears throat> Philadelphia on only a 22 and 24 on the year, seven games back, they're nine and 16 on the road with a minus 28 run differential. Now they have won a couple of games in a row, but they've only been five and five in their last 10. So they don't necessarily come in red scorching hot and they haven't played very well this year, and they've been a definite disappointment. But, again, Nola's going to pitch in uh, in one of those games. We'll see what Bryce Harper has. Obviously, you know, all of that lineup that they have and things like that. So this is a good measuring stick for the Braves. And, and for a lot of people, you know, once you get to Memorial Day, you know, the, the nudniks in, in the world are, well, I, I don't watch the standings until Memorial Day. Memorial Day is when... I start to look at the standings and things like that. Well, that'll be Monday. That'll be a week from today that Memorial Day is going to take place. And so this is a good test for the Braves going in to this week and this weekend series. Seven games, Monday through Sunday, right? I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers, our measuring stick is as it's been for the last handful of years in the National League. You know, can we play well against them? You know, can we win some games at home? And this is the other thing, too, about you know, the, the Braves are going to be at home for all of this series. So the Braves are going to have these seven games that are going to all be at home before that they head out to um, to Oakland, uh, Oakland, Arizona on the road. That should be two very winnable series, although Arizona's played pretty well that they've been one of the surprise teams in the National League. But the Oakland A's are a dreadful organization. They are they are the bottom of the barrel as far as Major League Baseball goes. Like they are the worst organization in all of Major League Baseball. So again, get through this week, but this will be fun to see where the Braves line up at. And obviously, look, you're not you can't win the division. You can't, you know, lose the division in, in this amount of time in a four-game set or whatever like that. But you want to see the Braves take care of business at home. You want to see the Braves flex their muscles at home. They've been obviously the road warriors. We've joked about that, that they've been so good to, on the road. And now with this series win against the Mariners, they're 12 and 10 at home. But you want to see the Braves flex their muscle when, when they are home, right? And especially against the better teams in the National League, or they're at least with the Phillies perceived better teams of the National League. But if the Braves can find a way to take three out of four from the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, you start to kind of give them some severe body blows in this thing because now you're going to be 10 games up on them. Now, now you're going to have, going into Memorial Day, a double-digit lead. And I won't be like, uh, who was it, Sal Licata, um, you know, up in New York where he, what was it? It was literally Memorial Day weekend that he proclaimed that the NL East was over when the Mets had their 10-game lead last year, right, that the NL East is over. 
but you could definitely give some good body blows and and some rib shots to the Philadelphia Phillies if you can find yourself getting up by 10 games. And then, obviously, they're going to have to hurdle. At this point, they're going to have to hurdle over the Braves, but the Mets, but the Marlins as well. It's not like the Braves and the Phillies are 1-2 in the division. Mets, or sorry, um, the, the, the Phillies have two other teams that they have to jump up over. So you can start to kind of maybe push them a little bit to the side if you can take three out of four from this team. You kind of give them a a good nudge in the ribs, and, you know, again, you can kind of start to put them behind the eight ball because now, again, we're more than a quarter of the way through the season. We're headed toward a third of the way through the season. You know, it won't be early for very much longer. We keep talking about how early it is in Major League Baseball, but it won't be early as much, you know, here in another month or so. But if you can get the Phillies to lose three out of four, okay, that 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 really kind of cuts them off at the ankles a little bit. And now they've got a lot of work to do because they're not just getting a, a you know, having to make up a 10-game lead on the Braves, but you're having to try to leap over two or three different other teams. So you can kind of put them a little bit to the wayside. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that that it would be over or anything like that. We'll not get hot takey on, on the division or things like that. But certainly you could do some damage to the Philadelphia Phillies. But certainly this first three games will be the good measuring stick. And obviously Freddie Freeman back in Atlanta, that will be a storyline and his kids and wife and, you know, just, you know, every time he comes back now, it's going to be some kind of, you know, hoot nanny, just, you know, well, you know, Freddie's back and I'll, okay. Again, at, at, at some point here, we'll just kind of get over the fact that Freddie's gone and this, any other, and, you know, he's not a brave and Matt Olson's our first baseman now for, you know, the next eight years. So anyway, but good series. It's a good week to be a Braves fan. Obviously, lots of home games. Kids are going to be out of school this coming weekend. I expect huge crowds with the Dodgers, with the Phillies. I expect that it'll be packed nights every single night at the ballpark. But this will be a good measuring stick for the Braves to see how we match up against the best team in the National League and certainly one of our big divisional foes. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The, uh, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And listen, right now, as we're neck deep into baseball season, right? I mean, we got games every day. We got NBA playoffs going on. We got lots of things going on. Well, if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And sign up now. Claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel is a safe, secure, super easy-to-use app. It allows you to bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to how many homers Aaron Judge is going to hit, everything in between, okay? So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So can Ade have a bounce-back season? It was I saw some numbers the other day in an article that was written about uh, what his season was, um, and according to Pro Football Focus. So Ade Ogundeji for the Atlanta Falcons, started 16 games last year. Now, remember, the one game that he was hurt is when Arnold Ebicady 
started. And that was arguably his best game that he had um, last season. But the one game where he started evocating, that was a really good productive game for him. But here's the numbers for Adi Ogundeji. So it was 541 snaps, 218 of those as a pass rusher. He had 26 tackles, 10 missed tackles, did not have a batted ball or a pass defended. He had four quarterback hurries, had zero quarterback sacks outside of the two sacks that he had. So he did have two sacks, but he had zero quarterback sacks outside of that. And 10, 10 missed tackles to 26 tackles. So when I tell you that it was a lost year for Adi Ogundeji, it was a lost year for him. And look, I don't expect that he's going to start 16 games. I think that was a symptom of the idea that Arnold Ebicady wasn't going to start a whole lot. And they've been very hesitant about throwing their rookies into the fire and letting them burn up. But obviously, Adi Ogundeji is at best a rotational pass rush guy. Fifth round pick a couple of years ago, right, out of Notre Dame. You know, and he's probably played much more than what was expected of him or certainly has played much more than we anticipated certainly starting 16 games last year now that that won't be the case this year if if he has to start 16 games there's something severely wrong with our pass rush because again there's nothing spectacular that he does nothing special that he does can he be a guy that gets us a couple of sacks in a rotational role yeah i mean maybe he can get two or three sacks, but I've got no, I'll be honest with you, I've got no expectation for Adi Ogundeji. I, I have no expectation about he can deliver. We've talked before on the podcast several times that, look, Arnold Ebicady is the guy who's got to step up, probably even more than Desmond Ritter. He's got to be that guy on defense that can get you eight to 10 sacks because as we're trying to get to 38, 40 sacks, you know, and, we're not going to get as much snap percentage out of a Calais Campbell, right? Some of these guys are going to rotate in at a lower percentage of snaps. Can they keep the same production? Can Caden Ellis be a guy that gets the seven sacks that he did last year? Or is he a guy that in his first three years that only had one sack? What guy is he? Again, I've said he's the Caleb McGarry of our, of, of our defense. You know, Caleb McGarry's had one good year out of four. Caden Ellis has had one good year out of four. Had a good year last year, but it's been pretty unproductive in his first three years. So I don't expect a whole lot out of Adi Ogundeji. I, I don't expect him. <clears throat> I, I would hope, hope that he is not more than a third of the snaps for this team. I mean, 541 snaps is a pretty good amount. I, I would hope that he is certainly not playing more than about 33, 35% of the snaps because we should have enough guys. And, and certainly I want to see if Arnold Ebicady can be a guy who can step up, step in and assume that role. You know, if, if Arnold Ebicady falls on his face, we are going to have some trouble sacking the quarterback because I'm not relying on Adi Ogundeji to be able to get to the quarterback or set the edge or anything like that. That will rely on, you know, and that, then at that point, we have to see if Caden Ellis can do it, if Clayus Campbell can do it, can Lorenzo Carter be that guy? I, I Can he bounce back? Possibly. 
But I I don't have any expectation for Adi Ogundeji. He was not a very good player last year. It was a lost season for him last year in his sophomore year. You know, can he be a little bit better in year three? That's where we kind of see what, you know, the, the sort of the rubber meets the road <clears throat> on some of these prospects when you get into year three, right? Especially at the quarterback position. We, we see that that third year is when that light kind of comes on at the quarterback spot. But can Adi do something? Yeah, you know, hopefully maybe with a l- less pressure on him to have to go out there and produce and perform and certainly not have to be a starter for 16 games. In fact, I would tell you that he'll probably go from starting 16 games this past season to hopefully not starting at all. I mean, that would be my hope is that he doesn't have to start a single solitary game. Maybe if somebody gets hurt, maybe if Katie gets hurt for a game or something like that and can't play, but short of that, there's no reason for Adi Ogundeji to be able to start. We can't brag about how much our pass rush has improved and how much better we are on our defensive line, and then we trot Adi Ogundeji back out there, right, who did nothing for us last year. So it was a lost season for him. You know, I mean, I think he would acknowledge that. Certainly didn't do a whole lot, but you can't have a defensive end who, yes, he gets two quarterback sacks, but doesn't hit the quarterback any other time during the entire season. Literally, like outside of his two sacks, he didn't have he didn't register a single quarterback hit. You can't do that. Our, our defense is not going to get where it needs to be. That's almost Stephen Means level. The good thing is he had two sacks. So unlike Stephen Means, who started 14 games for us and registered no sacks and no quarterback hits, at least he at least he got the quarterback on the ground a couple of times. But I really don't expect much from Adi Ogundeji. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I certainly hope he's not a starter. I hope he doesn't play much more than 33, 35% of the snaps uh, in our rotation. So I, I don't expect a whole lot out of him. If he can just give me the two sacks that he did last year, fine. Because I'm not counting on him and I'm not relying on him to be a guy that's going to get us any kinds of real numbers. It's been a nice story. It's been good for him. But certainly he's not a high caliber player. I'm certainly not investing a lot of my time into getting him better. That's got to be Ebba Katie's role to start every single week and get himself better. All right, as you make uh, Hitting Hard with John Chuck where you first listen, be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener. So whatever platform that you listen to us on, certainly go in the comment section and let us know that you're, as we call them, an everydayer. You listen in five days a week to the show. We certainly thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. Certainly, we thank you for being a part of this journey and this ride that we have been on for a little bit more than a year now, about 13 months now that we've been uh, on this journey. But we want you to leave us a comment that you're an everydayer, you're an everyday listener to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. So is there any way, and I don't know how this is going to work out, is there any way we can get Jalen Brown? Can I have Jalen Brown on this Hawks team? You know, obviously he's an Atlanta kid, right? Now, there's a lot of speculation about whether or not the Boston Celtics are going to re-sign him. Now, he is up for not just the deal, Supermax. He's a second-team All-NBA player this past season, right? So he's set for a Supermax deal, which would be like, 290 million dollars from the Celtics 
That is massive, massive money. But obviously, he's a very, very good two-way player. Obviously, he's one of the core pieces. But the Celtics are going to have to decide about whether or not they want to give him that kind of money. Now, the NBA has, with their new collective bargaining agreement, you know, they've changed up some things in the, in the CBA. So number one is, you know, the fact that you can have more than two Supermax players on one team now. So that, that, that's one of the changes that, again, you don't have to worry about limiting the amount of Supermax players that you have. So if he did find a way to come here, he's going to be a Supermax player. But, you know, Trey Young is also a Supermax player. So you don't have to worry about the fact that, okay, we're at our limit with two Supermax players. Now, look, this, this is real pie in the sky when we come to all of this, right? Tony Wrestler is probably not going to get neck deep into giving Jalen Brown a $290 million extension as a Supermax player with a roster that is already cluttered and clouded and things like that. That would It would probably require, if we're going to trade, and by the way, Jalen Brown for this upcoming season is still a $31.8 million cap hit. So he's a big cap hit coming up. I mean, he's obviously got some money tied up into him. So as we're trying to probably figure out a way to reduce payroll and things like that, which, again, that's not necessarily a winning formula, but certainly Jalen Brown would be a guy that we would love to go into the luxury tax for, right? If, we're, if our roster stands pat as is, we're going in the luxury tax. And it probably requires, I don't even know what the deal would be, in, in all honesty. I mean, it may it may, it may may involve DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what a potential deal like that would be. Certainly, DeAndre Hunter would be a guy that would probably be in the mix. But I don't know if there's any way that we can get him to come back home. This is real pie in the sky. You know, I'm... I'm not very confident in the idea that we're going to pursue Jalen Brown, but there is a lot of questions and there are a lot of things that are up in the air, whether or not he's going to re-sign with the Boston Celtics. It doesn't sound like either side has kind of pinned this down or is fully committed to the idea of Jalen Brown being a Boston Celtic moving forward. Now, look, again, in, in these kinds of discussions in the NBA, most all of the time, the guy ends up with his team if they want to pay. The only time that guys don't sign their extensions and things like that and extend with their same team, right? We've seen this with Bradley Beal and, you know, everybody is if the team just doesn't want him. If the team decides that, eh, okay, we can live without Jalen Brown. I don't see how the Celtics live without Jalen Brown. I don't see without Tatum, you know, and Brown and Smart and, you know, keeping that young core together because they are one of the best teams in the NBA. And, you know, they're down now three, nothing to the Miami heat, but they're still one of the better teams in the NBA. They're still a title contender. You would figure that, that, that they would want to keep that group together, but certainly there has to be some way that if he isn't going to resign with Boston, that we could find ourselves in the mix with the Atlanta Hawks. Come back home, Jalen. Come back home. Um, I don't know if he's going to get to free agency. I, I would certainly think that Jalen Brown will be a guy that will be a commodity and will be dealt. I, I don't think that the Celtics will, will risk the idea of him just walking away 
you know, with nothing for compensation, they will certainly trade him before it gets to that point. But it just doesn't seem like it's been set in stone that he's going to be back with the Boston Celtics. But he is owed a crap ton of money because, again, he is not just a he's not just in line for a max extension. He's in line for a super max extension. And from the Boston Celtics perspective, you're looking at two hundred and ninety million dollars. And you know how much of that money is fully guaranteed? All of it. Two hundred ninety million dollars. So if the Celtics want to blow their cap out and, you know, obviously get way into the luxury tax and things like that, then, you know, maybe they'll do it. But if not, if 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 the Celtics aren't willing to give him that kind of extension, give him that kind of number. Is there any way that the Atlanta Hawks could be involved in something to bring him home? Is there any way that the Hawks could put together an attractive enough trade package to get him home? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I truly don't know. I don't think that the Hawks are going to dip their toe into those kinds of waters because, again, if you're not going to give him a super max extension, then you're probably not going to be in the business of re-signing Jalen Brown because he's in line for all of that. And look, I think that there's only 11 Supermax players currently under contract in the NBA. I would guarantee you that he wants to be the 12th guy to be under contract. So it, it it's pie in the sky. It's wishful thinking. It's dreams. But I look at this idea of Jalen Brown maybe potentially becoming available. Maybe, maybe you know, after, you know, obviously he's a free agent coming into the summer of 2024. He's obviously an Atlanta kid. The Hawks could use an upgrade. And look, the Hawks could use an upgrade in any position on their basketball team. I would love for it to make sense. I don't know that the $290 million makes a whole lot of sense for the Atlanta Hawks is we're trying to figure out about whether or not we're going to even stay in the luxury tax. Because if we're not going to stay in the luxury tax, this roster is going to look a whole lot different because we're already $9 million in the luxury tax. Again, I've said, the number one question I want to ask Tony Ressler is, are we going in the luxury tax this year? Not when it makes sense, not when it's right, this year. Are we going in the luxury tax this year? We'll see what happens, but certainly Jalen Brown will be a hot commodity. We'll love for him to see him come home and be back with the, the Atlanta Hawks. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make sure that you go in and leave us a comment on whatever platform that you are on to let us know that you're an everyday listener. We call them our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part of our growing community 13 months into this thing now. So we thank you so much for being a part of the show. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. Then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 